0: Welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from
1: Wales Online.
0: Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online, brought to you by Gulliver Sports Travel. My name is Matt Southcombe and today I'm delighted to be joined by former Wales and British Lions fullback Lee Byrne. Lee, welcome.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks for joining okay. us.
0: Um, we've also got the usual suspects, Dalmy Parfit and Simon Thomas, with us today. Uh, but Lee, we're here today to discuss your book that's um, coming out on Monday, the 23rd of October The Byrne Identity big fan of that name um, I suppose the first question is when. whenever an ex-player writes a book is why Why did you want to write the book
1: um, I just th- they got obviously um, I didn't want to write one when I was still playing yeah. um, there might be <laughs> some stuff in there people don't <laughs> like so I don't, wanna, don't want any killings on the field here but yeah. um, no I think uh, yeah, it was the right time for me to do it I got approached obviously by Richard yeah. um, to do one I think he was uh, he was asking Andrew in work a few questions about me and I just sort of (laughs) contacted him and yeah we just went from there really so it's taken about a good year and uh, yeah really when I finished it it was quite a proud moment really I didn't really expect to to feel the way I did Yeah, Um, I just thought it was just going to be another sort of you know something I've done, but uh, you no. Know, when I when I look back at it now and, and read through it, I was yeah. I think it was quite a sense of achievement, really.
0: Yeah, well, I was saying to you earlier. I read through it in uh, over the course of the weekend, and reading is not one of my favourite things to do, believe it or not, being a journalist. But I uh, couldn't stop turning the pages. Cy, uh, si, I'll bring you in now, just briefly talking about Lee and his career as a whole. What are your <laughs> memories of covering games that Lee was involved in?
2: Well, my big thing about Lee was like, in the modern sense, you're quite a late developer, really, because I mean, your first Wales Cup would have been 24 20- do you reckon yeah. 25 now I mean, you are seen players now they make making the, in the Wales squad 19-20 and you play quite a lot so premiership level yeah. as well so in a way kind of a slightly old school career mm. but I think you know you've got to be careful not to spare his blushes here but I, I would say that for about a two year period this man here was the best fullback in the world around about the 2008-2010 period and uh, I think that I will always remember in particular that, you know coming through that uh, Grand Slam in 2008 and then the Lions too and yeah it's a, a career you can be proud of Dal would you go along with what Simon said there? yeah certainly I mean um, I remember that 2008
3: campaign and um, you know there's that there's that picture of you going over the line which I think you mentioned in the book for the try at Twickenham with the sort of yeah. the two fingers up there and um, and it was just uh, th- that campaign was was a magical one um, for, for what way for the way Wales played uh, in open play, something that you don't really you can't really say about the present side. But you had the likes of Lee, and of course you had that man Shane Williams as well, and and you just had guys who could could tear defences apart. And and, um, and and if and if there's other and if there's one other try. Um, of Leeds that I would mention in a similar period it was the one in 2009 in Paris that was a, it was a sad night that night because it was the first defeat for a long time and and there were hopes that, that Wales could actually win the slam again that year but um, they lost that night but um, the try you scored on the angle at um, in Paris was a special try uh, that's, that, w- that was definitely a, a sort of classic Lee Byrne try really that, that sticks out in my mm. in my memory
0: right, We're going to skip uh, the first few chapters of the book because we brought it up now England 2008 is something that you write about quite heavily in the book um, you actually mentioned that it may have possibly saved your Wales career because you weren't having a great night that night and mm. you admit that yourself and then that that try with the conversion brought the scores level it was really early on obviously in Gatlands. Tenure, so just talk about why you think that was so significant for you at the time.
1: Um, yeah, just firstly, I, I had to go back to the book, and when I remembered that game, it was a Hugh Bennett tackle yeah. on uh, on Paul Saki. I think you know, yeah, I don't yeah. know if you can remember just yeah, before half time, yeah. yeah. and I think uh, you know, a lot was said at half time. If that and after the game, if probably he didn't make that tackle, it probably would have lost that game, yeah, yeah, and things would have probably gone different for me. We wouldn't have won the game, mm. I might not have scored that try because England would have been on top. So yeah, little things sort of panned out in the game that I look back now and I think, think, uh, you know, you know, if that didn't happen, and mm. yeah, you know, the try, you know, it wasn't probably one of my sort of, you know, best, yeah. it was a piece of magic from James Hock inside me and, uh, you know, I sort of had the easy bit just to go over, but, um, yeah, it was a turning point, I suppose, it gave me a bit of confidence, um, yeah. just something clicked that, you know, yeah, I, I can compete at this level and I am good enough to be here, yeah. um, and just after that game, I just, just grew, grew really as a person yeah. and uh, as a player.
0: I mean, in the context of the tournament as well, I suppose that could be said for the team as, it, as a whole because then they were able to push on and you went on to claim your first Grand Slam.
1: Yeah, um, I think it was the first year Warren was coming was bit, just coming um, after yeah. the World Cup. I yeah. think, you know, we probably, leading up before that try, uh, probably thought, you know, here we go again. You know, yeah. I was in Welsh teams that probably weren't as successful and we probably thought the writing was on the wall again. as you know, What was going to happen? Uh, yeah, it was just a bit of a, be- you know, more of a belief and... Um, Thirteen Ospreys players in that team as well, so I knew a lot
2: of them well. Yeah. Um, and like you said, we went on strength to strength after that. Really,
0: yeah. what are your, your memories of that? You were both covering that game. Del, the, the,
2: well, the biggest thing that stands out for me it was the huge contrast because we'd been in, in France just the, you know a couple of months earlier. Wales had bombed out against Fiji in the knockout stage. Gareth Jenkins' time as coach ended. Then, of course. Warren Gatlin came in, we didn't really know a huge amount about him, you know, but um, he couldn't have made much more of a statement with that first game. And it just seemed like a momentum built from that victory. It was obviously the year that Shane Williams actually ran riot in the Six Nations. But, yeah, it was the surprise factor, wasn't it? Because, you know, we were really on our knees after the World Cup. And then six weeks later, Grand Slam, it was... Heady days, though, oh, weren't they? Yeah, I just remember the feeling at half time, and and, and Lee's mentioned the
3: the Hugh Bennett attack on Saki, and you sort of had a you had a feeling, oh, here we go again at mm-hmm. Twickenham. I mean, it'd been twenty years, I think, since we'd last beaten them there. But you also had a feeling that, hang on a minute, England ain't really that good. And yeah. and I think I don't know whether it was the first half, but I think jo- Johnny Wilkinson, or I think it was after the after half time, and you know, through a. A crazy pass that that, that um, Wales exploited, and I think it might even have led to one of the tries. I can't remember the precise detail, but that was very much my feeling as well that day. Was mm. that you know this Wales team? Why should they accept another defeat here? You know, if they can go out and grab the moment, it's it's, it's all on. And, and f- thankfully, they did. Yeah, yeah it's, I think
1: uh, you know we've all suffered some big. I talked about it in the book as well about the you know, pre World Cup uh, some big defeats at Twickenham, and yeah. uh, there was a fear factor leading up into that game. I'd, li- I'd be lying if I didn't say there wasn't. But uh, like Danny said, you know, a half time, it was a bit of a feeling. Like, what are we, what are we really uh, scared of? Yeah, you know, yeah. there's there's nothing, there's no real threat there.
0: Yeah, um, I guess leading up to that game, we've we've touched on it, and you mentioned in the book missing out on the 207 World Cup. Um, but I think it was clear to everyone after all that had happened that change was obviously needed at and, and, and not just in personnel but in perhaps culture as well Warren Gatlin came in and really changed things what were your first impressions of your first few meetings with with Warren
1: um yeah I think he was really honest honest bloke you know he would uh, especially with Sean Edwards as well you know I I'd, I'd never come across anyone like that before yeah. and, you know he was great for you know one of the turning points of uh, yeah. for me and uh, yeah they would be you know quite honest with you and Tell you what they wanted from you, and if you weren't doing it, then you know they they tell you straight. And uh, I, I think there was a, before. There was sort of um, in Wales, we'd sort of hide from what you know if we made mistakes, and we weren't honest with each other in mm. in the video analysis, etc. And really get stuck into each other. And that was one thing that Warren wanted us to do: was yeah. really be criti- criticize each other in training if someone dropped a ball, whereas before it'd be okay to drop a ball, or it'd be okay, you know, that it'd be, we'd do it again. But with Warren. You know, without that, you'd know about it, and uh, he'd be brought up in training. there's no hiding places,
2: really. What, what was what was it about Sean Edwards then? I mean, we always hear this, and he's like mm. no one else who was dealt with. Was he scary? What yeah. was he?
1: No, I think he was really emotional, and and you know when he was talking to you and really, yeah. you, know, you know, if he didn't uh, mean it, then he certainly looked like he, me- he meant it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and I just think yeah, I think he was really passionate about you know helping players and helping you and wanted you to see do well and yeah. wanted to see Wales do well really and uh, mm. yeah I think you know we put his heart on his sleeve and uh, coming from rugby league back and probably you know similar sort of up north to, to Wales as well yeah. so yeah just
0: just what what as you mentioned there you write in the book that there was a name and shame culture in, in the post-match analysis which uh, you get the impression may not have been there before um, was there ever a time on the field where you did something and thought Sean's gonna laugh me for that all the time. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, especially if it didn't follow the ball was the main thing. Yeah. Sean, um, yeah. you know, he, as a fifteen, just wanted me to follow the ball, whatever it was. So you do double the running I was doing before, yeah. but you know that was what Warren was in there for to do the conditioning to make everyone fitter because that's where he wanted to play. yeah um So yeah, you know, if you out of position with a little chip throw, I remember against Scotland, um I think it was Dan Parkes kick through, Max Evans scored in the corner. Mm. And I thought to myself, the first time I thought, oh my god, I'm dead. Yeah, like, <laughs> I didn't follow the ball, but I was just getting off a four on the rug, But he still expected to be following yeah. the ball and being. If I was outside of ten, I would have, I would have got that grabber through. But yeah, I did. That was one moment I did think, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> so. And uh, obviously after the,
0: the Grand Slam, a lot of Wales players at the time they had really high stock. You were one of those guys on on top of the world, as Simon said, named on the Lions tour. Um, mm. And you, you, you write a lot about um, about the tour. I won't go into all of it, but there's one story I've got to mention. Um, and it was in Cape Town. You uh, were sharing with Ronald O'Gara, I believe. And you came back. Um, I'll just I'll read an extract here. Yeah. Um, you came back to find a small boy in the bathroom of your ho- in your hotel. Um, you said the kid had not nicked any of the posh electronic gear that we'd left in the room. Instead, his pockets were full of soap and toiletries. It was sad to see. We just let him go and didn't mention it to security. What? what was your reaction when you came back to find that in your room
1: probably looking around to see if he'd actually stolen anything you know that yeah. was worth uh, taking really like laptops with their phones, wallets and uh, you know when we 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 sort of you know, I, I suppose uh, got him he, he was just like sort of showed us soap in his pocket so it was quite uh, yeah. quite sad really yeah, yeah and we had right. the, the SAS uh, security guards mm. the SBS guys there yeah Um and we you know we he didn't say nothing. He probably would have maybe lock, got locked up or something, you know. Yeah. But we just left him to have the have the soap and go. And especially after seeing all the you know going to Soweto and the places yeah. like that and the townships and how poor it is, you know. Yeah. In some in some of the places It's, it's quite. Uh, yeah, it was quite it was a bit of an eye opener, really.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, have either you guys come and tour? Yeah, in I've South done Africa? three
2: tours in South Africa, and um, <laughs> it's <laughs> it's changed, mm. but it's still scary. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I always strikes me. You come in from the airport from Cape Town, and it just you hear about the shanty towns, and yeah. then you see them, That's and it amazing. takes your breath away. Obviously, post the football World Cup, there was a lot of work gone into improving the, you know, yeah. the, the way that the cities look. But I mean, you you have to have your wits about you, yeah. and you tend to go around. I remember one hotel, and to be taken to a cash point by a guy with a with a gun and a, and a dog. You know, because yeah. that. Pretoria was an interesting yeah. place to be, but and yet a beautiful country.
3: Yeah, amazing country. Yeah, and it's obviously the first time I'd been in. I didn't really know what to expect. And yeah. How do you reflect on that tour? Because you played in the first test and then got injured, which Mm. must be, you you must look back on that with frustration, particularly as they came very close on Mm. there, didn't they? Uh, Yeah, you know, I
1: mentioned it in the book and
3: uh, it was sort of
1: in the warm-up I'd done it and uh, and I didn't even think I was going to make it onto the field, to be perfectly honest. And, uh, you know, I would have been even more devastated if I didn't. Um, And, yeah, it was, uh, you know, as I was playing so well as well in the warm-up games it probably I felt I was playing probably the best I played for a while. It ran off for a while, probably even raising my standards again. Especially the try I scored against the wild fifteen. Yeah. You know, it was one of my favourite tries. And then the sharks had another good try then, um, and leading them to that test, I was you know probably confidence was was high. Mm. So yeah, to have that just taken away from you is uh, it was pretty cruel. But yeah. it's part of the sport, and you look back now and you think, you know, ten lines. So, but you just think, oh, you know, maybe you could have. Had three tests, uh, caps, and won the test, that would have yeah. been even better. Mm-hmm. You, you so,
0: mentioned it was a return, it was like the, the return of the injury you suffered in yeah. the Six Nations that year. Um, yeah. felt it go in the warm up, as you said there. Just recall exactly how you felt around the time. I think you probably must have gone down the tunnel and, and had it looked at by physios and things. I think you mm-hmm. mentioned you didn't quite let on how yeah. much you was hurting. Yeah. Was there ever a time where you thought to yourself, I can't go on the field. I think you mentioned that you you felt compromised. Yeah, but you you managed to play thirty seven minutes. I think the first test. Mm. So was there ever a time where you thought, ah oh, this could be my Lions dream gone yet"? Yeah.
1: yeah, when I sort of stepped and I heard the crack, like the sort of the plantar fascia just like rip apart and, mm. on my foot, and I thought, "Oh my god!" And then I run inside and it's dropped. And then when I started the game, I suppose the adrenaline kicked yeah. in a little bit because I, mean, I remember coming off the back, the scrum made, an eye, and I and I step and went through a little bit, and I thought, oh, "I'm going to be okay here." Yeah. Mm. Then as the game went on, it just just got worse, and I couldn't literally couldn't run then. Gets to the point then where you begin yeah. to
0: worry about letting people down. I, exactly. I yeah. Guess. Yeah. Wretched luck. Yeah. yeah. Like it's, I you know. Know. what a time to yeah, do that. <laughs> so for, just so you, obviously you played against South Africa then. Just what what was it like in that atmosphere? Because it's quite an intimidating place to go and play.
1: Yeah, I mean they were, pro- you know, at the time mm. they were. They were up there in the yeah. world's best team and uh, running out I just remember it probably wasn't so African sport as I probably remember, it was probably more the Lions fans in there, as yeah. you know, as they usually do get around and mm. just remember looking up and just seeing you know, see a red really and a boiling hot day as well. Uh, that's another thing I remember from there and after that really is it's probably a bit of a blur really. Yeah. But you know, sitting there wa you know, I just remember my hands on my head sitting and watching the games at the end of you know.
0: Yeah. Uh, You mentioned that McGeekin wanted to keep you on the tour, and then
3: you dislocated your thumb in training. Then (laughs) probably wasn't meant to be. (laughs) to be honest.
0: No, actually, did you come straight home after that? I did. Yeah, yeah.
1: come straight home. Yeah. Did
0: you just have a breakdown and
1: try and? I can't remember what happened. Yeah, I come back and see the thumb surgeon and etc. But yeah. It was back to the Ospreys after that.
0: So, yeah, yeah. To, uh, so what are your memories of that, about t- that Lions tour? The second test.
2: I know you didn't play, but that was that honestly, <coughs> inf- yeah. I think it was in um, Victoria, wasn't it? Yeah. One of the most brutal games of rugby I've ever seen. I think you know there was a casualty list coming off, and you were joined in the treatment yeah. room quite soon. I mean um, Adam obviously was uh, oh, a sure victim man. of any backies both there wasn't it yeah, a- Adams was, it was in, a, in a you know in Bocchi a real state Bacchys, after like yeah. Gethin Jenkins got injured it was just a brutal game of rugby and obviously everyone remembers I think the Ronan Agar incident yeah. at the end I, I remember watching that and thinking that's a proper test match yeah they yeah. were perhaps you just the well miss
1: though <laughs> 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 no at the time they had backies both there and you know these guys and they were real brutes and
2: well, you red cards all round now yeah yeah play, exactly yeah. I was thinking that the week actually I yeah. think I I think in a way the clear out of the tackle area might have been looked at again as a result of that incident. You yeah, know? it's well, been hardened up. Berger should have been dismissed, shouldn't he? For that. Okay? Yeah. Fitzgerald, yeah. Fitzgerald. you yeah. forget how much happened in it, yeah. don't you? Yeah, it was uh, like you said, it was brutal.
3: Yeah,
0: oh, I want to. We we've skipped over um, Wales New Zealand at the Millennium Stadium, the hacker standoff. Mm. I've got to discuss this with you. Um, I was there that day, I'm sure you guys might have yeah, been there that day there. as well. well um, I was there as a fan and the hairs on the back of my neck were standing up so I think you mentioned you were look—you had Mar Non who's standing up <laughs> so yeah. it was a bit of a different experience for you
1: Yeah, I was probably looking at the floor <laughs> tried not to look at him but uh, yeah. yeah, like you said the hairs on the back even now if I watch on YouTube you yeah. know, it's, it's still I it's still have the goosebumps really the feeling of uh, just remember sort of the the echoing when the roof is closed the echoing, the voices mm. and the singing is just constant and uh yeah you know it just it just seemed uh an age really we were standing there yeah And uh, i was probably thinking oh when are we gonna, <laughs> are we gonna walk <laughs> away but uh yeah. especially when you've got you know 20 odd old blacks looking down here and yeah. Uh, yeah you know it set up the game i just remember running back thinking wow i'm really pumped for this now yeah, and then yeah. you know, we started off the game really well uh, i think it was the first 40 if i remember we done you know, we were quite in the yeah. game and then after that then yeah we went uh obviously yeah just to, just, about, away again. just to give
0: out the context, was it the year before that they were made to do the hacker in the changing rooms? Uh, it was a real, yeah. it was a real <laughs> it to saga for, to it. Uh, I, I, I just, it. was a couple of years before a that, of I, years I remember
2: so. just sitting. I mean, who suddenly realised, sat in the press box, what was happening. So you mm. didn't quite it. And then obviously the, the crowd started to realise as well. Mm. And it seemed to go on forever. I don't know what it must have been like for you. Yeah. It probably wasn't that long, was it? No, it, it was <laughs> a minute or a bit, I think it was. But yeah, I just. Whose yeah, idea was it then?
1: Um, I think we said before the game. Warren said that you know it's uh, to accept it a challenge. Yeah. That's what the sign of the hacker is. And you know, we, uh, he said you know years gone by. We have change rooms, etc. But this is showing respect, and they'll really like it. I don't know. If they, that was the case, <laughs> I do think you know it, they have probably known the history behind it that. You know, it's a challenge you lay down. But yeah. yeah, it was just Warren's idea before the game, really. And, uh,
0: you mentioned that there was a brief suggestion of doing your own. <laughs> yeah,
1: there yeah. was. Yeah, and I think that one <laughs> chucked up cancer really what, what was your
3: routine before big Wales games, Lee? You know, talk, talk us through the sort of uh, you know the half hour in the changing room before you go out. You
1: know, I, I mentioned in the book about the book. Bu- uh, well, obviously in the book about the book, uh, Sean Edwards and make me oh, <laughs> read and oh, Tom Shanklin is oh, to say oh. you've been on that book for four years. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, it, but it did, you know. It, Sort of calmed the nerves down a little bit because again, he was great man management to me. He, he sort of you could see it maybe get a bit overall because I when not sort of used to being in them high situations that often as, as often as other players. Mm. And coming from you know the background I did, you know, he tried to help me stay calm and uh, yeah, that was sort of, certainly had a positive effect when he sort of introduced that to me. Mm.
0: Did you say you related more towards Sean Edwards and the other coaches? I get that impression from the book that he, yeah,
1: probably like, I'd say or, so. Yeah, as a, as a man manager, yeah, yeah. Um, what pushes your buttons and what doesn't yeah Mm. yeah. Um, moving on then mentioned
0: quite early on in the book um, about your relationship with Rob Howley Mm. Um, fair to describe it as a fractious relationship perhaps yeah how do you reflect on your time in the Wales camp around him
1: Um, probably like like other players I suppose when you get dropped I suppose you know you probably have that sort of offish away from coaches after you finish playing but you know when I look back at my career probably you know I probably I probably deserve to be dropped like, as you know with Nigel Gareth I got you know they when I got didn't get selected for that World Cup you know I think it was the right decision yeah um, but I suppose it was other bits in my Welsh career which I probably wasn't the right decision um, and probably one was probably moving, when I was playing in Claremont, um and I had a feeling it was coming from Rob um, mm-hmm. in terms of not selecting me. Yeah, um, it might not have been, but as my perception, it you know, it seemed that way, um, and just yeah, it just didn't seem to. I suppose it evaporated the relationship when I first went in the squad and was playing well, and maybe you need a lift up sometimes. Yeah, so it didn't happen. Yeah, so yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I suppose it was a bit. Yeah, anxious, yeah. you
0: mentioned that there was there, there would be like the odd comment in training uh, and things like that, and eventually it would gr- it, you felt like you were being ground down as part of a, a bit of a process. Um, and you talk at times about being a little bit paranoid about how the coaching staff began to perceive you. So it was, is it fair to say it was more the way that your, your the way you left the Wales team was handled as opposed to actually being phased out?
1: Yeah, I suppose so. You know, I'd rather. Probably Warren was quite was really on brutally honest, you know, yeah. which is good. Which you want as a player, you don't probably do want to hear it. No, but sometimes it's best for you know to hear it. And uh, I've always had honesty with coaches who you know been brutally honest. Really, I felt like that wasn't really the case when it came with Rob. Yeah, I suppose there's a lot of uh, sort of walking around, sort of you know the the situation and not really telling me what exactly was going on, mm-hmm. um, and sort of finding another way to sort of not to get me out. I'm not saying you know that. I, Sort of, I'm looking for, you know, I'm really precious here, you know, but yeah, yeah I'd rather just be told by a coach, and you know, I've probably over the years is probably if you look back down the line, it might not be the only one, you know. So mm. yeah, I suppose so. It was a frustrating
0: time for you as well, not not just because of all this, but you had a lot of knee trouble, and you mentioned the book heading into the World Cup, you couldn't quite hit the numbers you were hitting before in terms of fitness yeah. testing and all that. So adding all that up, it, looking back it must have been quite a frustrating period for you.
1: Yeah, I've mentioned in the book as well, you know, obviously I had a chat with Catlin and he mentioned to me that I was lucky to go and you because yeah. rightly so start Morgan was playing brilliant and uh you know, if that would have been the case then it you know Probably would have been the right decision. Mm. Um, Unfortunately, him, he got injured. which was really you know, devastating for him. Yeah. Um, so was probably given another chance. But uh, yeah, after that, I felt like you know, it, well, before that, probably maybe they made up their minds about me. Yeah. Before that World Cup, because you know they told me that I wasn't going to go on the tour. So, mm. you know, maybe you know that was uh, I wasn't to have another look in really after that. But yeah. I suppose when I went to Claremont, they sort of. I don't know. I had a mini resurgence, really, and uh, yeah, I was playing really well with some good players in a good team. Yeah, I mean, and, uh, yeah, still doing good looking. Yeah,
0: you mentioned in the World Cup, but uh, I think it was ahead of the semi-final. You say in the book that you went off tour. Um, to me, me going off tour um, as an amateur rugby player would be when you stopped drinking. Oh, but in right. <laughs> a professional world, yeah. when when you start when you started having a beer um, yeah. on that trip. Uh, some people might read the book and say that you perhaps just sort of threw threw in the towel in a way. Um, what would you say to people? Because I mentioned a conversation that you had with Howley, and I won't mention the circumstances, but you made a mental note of essentially saying, "Well, that's my international career over." Mm. And at that point, some some people might say that you threw away perhaps say 10 more caps. What would you say to people who, who suggest that?
1: Um, yeah, it's pretty, probably ever got a. Good point there, yeah. I suppose. Um, but I suppose the way the situation was at the time, um, I, I just felt like, you know, I think I, I made the right. Uh, looking back now, I got no regrets now. Yeah. Uh, because I mean, I, I suppose that if I had man of the match, I don't suppose I would have got many more caps after that. Anyway, so I mean, it would have been nice to have got to fifty caps. But I think I should have had that anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know I had, a lot, I had a few injuries as well, which didn't help. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it would have been nice to get to fifty caps. But it was nice to sort of go. And Obviously, when people read the book, it was. It'd be nice to know that uh, everyone does. That. I have a question, I know quite a lot actually. And if I do a and A, etc., why didn't you play more for Wales when yeah. you were in Claremont? <laughs> you Read the book, you might find, you out. find out. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah um, Claremont is a big chapter on the book. In the book on Claremont, um, like you said, you had a, an upturning form when you went out there. But playing in France is a lot different to playing in Wales. Just explain what the environments like
1: are. Yeah, it was it was a brilliant environment. I had a brilliant coaching in Carter. Yeah. Um, had a lot of trust in me. Um, I was playing in big games, and you know that was in, that was really good. Um, mm. Felt confident, you know, with him there as well. Someone who trusted me. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the more I played, I suppose the more I adapted to the the French way, you know, of playing. Really, mm. really unfortunate. I would like to win the Heineken Cup when we lost to uh, Toulon. That was a big, uh, big probably regret in my career that I yeah. didn't win the Heineken Cup. Um, at the time, it wasn't any Welsh people would won it. Uh, but it still isn't a great m- number but I uh, thought it would be nice for the CV yeah um, yeah and it, it was just you know the players I was playing with I think that brought sort of brought the best out of me again mm-hmm. um, you know I've like, mentioned a few the likes of Sivivatu and for Regan King even you know yeah. he, he came as well and I played in the Scarlets and I mentioned you know he probably was the one who got me my Welsh Cup yeah. um, in the Scarlets, you know the way he sort of disputed the ball to me uh, and he'd done the same with, with Stodds as well yeah. and any fullback he's played with so yeah, it was a, it was a big help and just the culture, really, you know, mm. and the pe- the people there. It was it was just a, it was just a great experience yeah. and something I would never regret. I, something probably was the uh, best decision I've ever made. Yeah. Even yeah. if it didn't, it hampered my Welsh career. Yeah. Um, in terms of uh, you know memories, yeah. um, it was amazing. Yeah, that comes through in the book as well. Um,
0: so si, what what do you remember about the time in Welsh rugby when Lee um, went across to Claremont because he was sort of almost ahead of his time, in a way, because after that, then, we started to see it happen more. But Lee was one of the first... The
2: interesting thing is, I mean, there's probably been, you know, maybe... Near, near double figures number of Welsh people who've gone over to France in total and uh, I think it's fair to say that, that a few of the players it hasn't quite worked out yeah. for them be it that they maybe picked up injuries like half many picked up an injury yeah. didn't they others perhaps didn't settle found the language and the culture difficult well there's been quite a lot of players who've come back I think to be honest you know of all the players who went you were probably one of the most successful to go because you shared in a, in a period where with were really pushing for European honours and in some ways, and we talked about you being the best fullback in the world in the two-year period. In that, it was a kind of Indian summer of your career in some yeah, ways, because you really sort of, in, in that three-three-year period, wasn't it? You played again some outstanding rugby, and I think that was the bit that it was always a bit odd when we were covering your, your, your career out there, and we were seeing Wales squads being picked. You were playing well for Claremont, one of the European juggernauts, and you weren't getting a sniff. Yeah whereas other players perhaps who went to France and didn't do quite so yeah. well <laughs> retained their spots you know, you know it's at the end of the day listen it, as you said it comes down yeah. to a courteous decision doesn't it exactly. and, and you, there's not much you can do about it but I think looking at it from outside although it didn't um, perhaps help your Wales career I got the impression I've spoken to you before as a life experience yeah. absolutely fantastic yeah. and also from rugby experience so you yeah. know, as you said yourself you wouldn't change it no I wouldn't uh, just
0: just um, You mentioned the book about um, being headbutted by Benjamin Kayser on one one instance uh, before a game in a changing room. Just talk about what, two minutes before you leave the the dressing room, what the environment is like in that
1: changing room. Um, Pretty much, like I said, the (laughs) book really. Yeah, Yeah, it's, it's, you know, the French are really passionate, especially the forwards fired up, and, yeah, yeah, there there was a lot of headbutts flying (laughs) around the (laughs) the changing rooms. I do remember once, actually, when I said the book, yeah, Kaiser. I had a few slaps as well. That I not just headbutts. <laughs> if someone slaps you across the face, it's like, <laughs> probably worse than a headbutt. Uh, what was your first reaction when? when and my <laughs> cut before I got the field. <laughs> um,
2: Who was the maddest French player you came across?
1: Oh, we had um, back row uh, Victor Kobiasvili. He Georgian. Yeah, Georgian. Right, yeah. um, so you know, if you look at him, you literally just stand in the <laughs> blue ice eyes, um, and yeah, he, you know, I think we had to, they sent him away to Lyon for a year or two because his sort his disciplinary was it was crazy. <laughs> and then i think he pushed Wayne Barnes in one of the games oh, was it oh ba- yes that's um, right day he pushed right yeah, when he was in the line <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he said he was in his way game. was yeah. The Ospreys, yeah yeah that's right yeah i think he was too scared to get him a card though. but uh, <laughs> yeah i've seen some yeah seen some things that change that. and how did your french come on I, I learned a little bit um you know not great not a load um <laughs> obviously with the dyslexia struggle a little bit with yeah. that but um no it was it, it was enough to to Have a little bit of a conversation with, with people, and mm. obviously, Regan helped me quite a bit on the field with the moves, etc. So that was that a was bit kind of a league of nations, wasn't yeah, it, it? It was, anyway. yeah. The, yeah. The thing was, I know no excuses, but at Clement, we had a lot of New Zealanders, Australians, whereas if you went probably, I don't know, for instance, say an in or something like that, you'd only have one or two, yeah, so you'd have to. You know, everyday yeah. printer situation where you'd have to speak French. Yeah. yeah. And it's quite it's quite lazy actually from a uh, you know, point of view is uh not picking up French because, you know, you should try anyway. Yeah. Or just at least, you know, spend day to day with French speaking the French all the time. But with it was quite hard when, you know, you've got New Zealanders, South Africans, mm. Australians and even you know, even the coach as well, even though every all the video analysis sessions were in French, mm. you know, after that then you'd speak English, so <laughs> yeah. It'd be uh yeah, you, t-
0: you touched on your dyslexia there and it's a really important part mm-hmm. of the book and it gets across a really nice message towards the end of that chapter but perhaps people may I certainly didn't understand quite how much it, it would affect you in terms of on the field stuff mm-hmm. you mentioned that remembering plays were an issue um, you had to ask teammates where to stand on certain mm-hmm. occasions um, concussion tests quite often provided <laughs> yeah. a problem and as you've said learning French was, it was an issue as well right. but, so just talk about a little bit how you dealt with those things
1: um, I suppose it was just uh, sort of I like found learning mecha- uh, mechanisms really. Yeah. Uh, like I said about the, the play sheets, I'd pin them all around the house and yeah. just different ways of coping yeah. um, as much as I could really. And uh, I suppose yeah, the, the the rest was just pure instinct really of playing. Mm. Um, I mean, you'd go on the field with 100 calls and we'd only use one. Yeah. <laughs> so, and any rugby player, not just anyone with dyslexia, will tell you that. It's sometimes it's quite annoying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you've got to remember them just in case. It's, Contingency plan, always Plan B, and you've got to go to that move. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But
3: you probably nine times out of ten you wouldn't use them. So, how, how did it affect you in your earlier life? Because like, you know, um, it's something that's, that's with you, isn't it? It's, yeah. Uh, in school, and you know, I
1: left at, like I said, fifteen. Um, because I, you know, I knew that it was probably pretty pointless me staying on school. At the time, it's not as big a stigma as it is now. Where it's, you know you get help in school. You know, I'm thirty-seven. I'm not you know, that old, but I mean it wasn't really a big thing in school then. Um, so, yeah, I, I left at 15 because I was probably. i get checked out of class because I didn't want to be in there because I you know, played up to get checked out mm-hmm. because I was too scared to read. You know, you the time had to read books in front of everybody. I struggled with reading. So, it, so it wasn't, wasn't
2: really acknowledged in school? Or no, what? not really.
1: Yeah. Not No fault of their mm-hmm. own, but mm-hmm. it just wasn't a big. As it is now, you know, no. it's not,
2: it's the more awareness of it. You
1: think generally, so, yeah, if a child was going through the situation, yeah. it would be a very different handling of it, definitely, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, in terms of the school that I'm involved in now, tomorrow's generation, though, the kids go there a couple of days a week and then to the mainstream schools, another few days a week, you know, to get a bit of both, really. Yeah. So, it's interesting. I
3: was talking to Scott Quinell about who also um, has dyslexia, and, and he yeah. was uh, he was saying how in, in his school days, there was just nothing. No help for him, and it, and it and it used to tear him apart because yeah. he'd get accused of, by the teachers of, of being lazy. Yeah, yeah you know, well, you know I'm, I'm not being lazy. I want to learn. Yeah, but I can't. You know, yeah, and, um, and deliberately getting thrown out of class because he mm. didn't want to read in front of
1: everybody. I suppose. Mm. But I suppose yeah. that doesn't happen mm. now. But uh, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it did. I suppose did have. An, but then you know, I went on to to work, which is you know, I wouldn't know a lot of probably players. They come from academies now and yeah. you know, have an experience of that. and so you had a fair few jobs before you started Yeah, I did, around. yeah. So it, was quite, it was quite good for me, yeah. really.
2: So what was your worst job?
1: Oh, the milkman. The milkman. <laughs> 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 Get up at four in the morning before I went to school. But uh, yeah, that was quite <laughs> tough. <laughs> <laughs> Kept me fit, though. You, you
0: mentioned that, that it did bring one advantage on the field. You felt like you had very good spatial awareness. and mm. I suppose that came through in, in, in your play, in a sense.
1: Yeah, looking back now, it's quite funny, actually. I didn't, you know, didn't... Put two two together, for, I suppose. But then when I went and spoke to the the women from the this dyslexia awareness, etc., yeah. she said that a lot of people have have that in you know, different trades. So yeah, yeah. So I, I think so. Um, you know, it, I, when I when I told when she she actually watched clips of me playing, and she before I even mentioned it. Yeah. So I went there to do the stuff, and she said, "Oh look, I watched you play rugby, and go oh, you can find that space.'" It's, and, it, and it, I suppose any old I suppose and LinkedIn and, makes, sense, yeah, it makes yeah. a bit of sense yeah but you know that's just my thought
3: uh, but I think I think it did yeah. do you still work on it now you know in terms of are there, are there sort of things you can do to to you know to improve reading and writing etc cetera, etc cetera, yeah that? I
1: you know I probably don't I probably now I'm doing some work etc and emails and stuff like that and obviously mm. with spell check I, the more I'm you know, writing emails etc it's still probably terrible but <laughs> Yes, yeah, so it does it has improved a lot and you've got certain software on on the computer that you can you know, like use on that. Mm. So um yeah. You know, but probably not as much as uh, you know, as you should. I wanna just
0: briefly mention um, somebody who I think's a brilliant character in, in Welsh rugby. Um we won't go into their stories because some of them we can't say on the show. There's Lynn Jones. Um there's a there's a few stories in the book you're gonna to have to read, but you call you call him the most innovative but maddest coach you've had, um, crazy but a tactical genius. What was it like working with Lin? You obviously with him at the Ospreys and then later on in at the Dragons, but I suppose the Ospreys
1: is, is what you would really remember your time with him for. Yeah, probably. It's, I mean, the time we were looking, you know, we were talking earlier on about the, the team that we had probably should have done a lot better. Mm. Uh, we did did win a few Magnus and Celtic leagues, etc. But uh, you know, the Iron Cup was the one we wanted, and we had the squad good enough, I think, at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah and, and Lin you know he's just a character around the, around the training ground and and yeah he knew, he knew his stuff inside out and rugby analysis etc and you know very intelligent bloke as, you know, probably doesn't come across that way but yeah. uh, he's very you know educated about rugby and knows his stuff and uh, yeah he was, he was great um, as a person you know around, especially in the Ospreys I think he was under less pressure yeah um, you know cause, well, saying that I'm not really sure because we should have won a lot more but uh yeah. um, so you know, seemed to be you know, under a lot a lot less pressure than when he was at Dragons. Yeah. So when you obviously
0: rejoined, well you joined the Dragons and met, linked up with him once again. But uh, reading the book, that was obviously towards the end of your career, and and the way things ended, they must leave a little bit of a sour taste in your mouth in terms of your relationship with him.
1: Uh, yeah. You know, I said about it probably been under a bit of pressure. Uh, probably the Dragons wasn't you know, wasn't a great success really. Yeah. Um, And you know we probably probably might well not my fault a lot of senior players that he brought in we got injured um at the time which didn't help probably himself uh, didn't help the dragons as a region um we were probably coming to the end of our careers um but probably one or two more years left um yeah and probably did end a little bit sour in the end Um, probably you know wish i would finish my career probably on a bit of a better note really
0: Mm. and um so you decided to call time on, on your career and you mentioned that you, you're not the first and you won't be the last to find retiring quite difficult um, you go in to talk something I didn't know about you but you went on to suffer depression um, you talk about having anxiety attacks in public and things like that um, and there's a line in there saying that when you had, you had one at an event that your wife was at mm. um, frankly I thought I might be dying <laughs> Um, what was so just briefly talk about how you managed to deal with those sort of situations
1: yeah it's, uh, it's not something that I want to look for attention for mm. or you know have self pity really but yeah it did happen and it was real so yeah. um, I mean I got involved with a tomor- um, state of mind charity when I first finished playing and yeah. got in touch with a psychologist a sports psychologist and then another guy um, I didn't think that you know at the time there was anything wrong with you you know there's yeah. that in terms of you know physically or mentally there's you, you think you're fine but um when you go and actually speak to these people and they, and they mention this happened that's happened then you think yeah it has actually mm. Mm. and uh, I suppose coming from a sporting background um, yeah, when you know you spoke look at this being this macho person then you know you, you don't need help you're fine um, and it wasn't to my wife actually she said look you know and, and I mentioned another person and they will who sort of pushed me that way and then when you go and speak to these people it's uh, yeah. It's you know it is happening and uh, you know you do need to you know need help really yeah um, but yeah it's uh, yeah we probably you know a lot of, like I said it's not something that I wanted to have self pity for or you know or wanted to make public but yeah. I mean uh, if you're writing a book about your life then you've got you know, it's a big oh, big part sure. of it when I finished mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. yeah it was important to, to gather and it is more sort of stuff about it now when people are finished playing but I you know when I was thinking about it I think everybody probably has a. A little bit of it, but you just don't realise. Mm. Um. Yeah,
0: reading reading the books, um, Lee makes it seem uh, you can you read how it happened and you think, well, yeah, that, that's actually quite a natural progression. Mm. And how you mentioned that you stopped, you tried to start avoiding public appearances, oh. and and as such, invitations dried up, and then <coughs> fed your feeling of despondency. Is enough, Sai being done to show players and you know basically tell players that your career won't last forever you need to prepare for that as opposed to just being left in the cold when it does end
2: listen rugby players are like uh, uh, people yeah. and we know from the figures now how many people suffer at some time in their life mental health problems depression mm-hmm. uh, phil Steele has written a book about yeah. it and i I've spoke to phil extensively about it and it's it's fascinating you know to sort of see them which is the way people have deal with it but also in a way like the dyslexia there's more awareness again isn't there yeah, exactly. it was probably 10-15 years ago wasn't it? You know, it was always oh, depression I can't admit I've got that no, They're seen as a weakness especially yeah. in a macho world of rugby mm. but now there's a realisation you're just human beings yeah. and also you're human beings being asked to do things in public and maybe criticised at times for doing things mm. is it any surprise really that you have this I,
3: I think it's been fantastic the last couple of years and I the number of high-profile people, and from the sports sphere as well, who, who've had the courage to come out and say, "I've been struggling." When their jello
2: ends, I guess. Yeah, yes. and
3: and you know, and I can't. It really makes me so angry when I hear people say, "Oh, you know, not another one coming out and saying." Yeah. Mm. And, and, and it, you know, it, it just really makes me angry. The old man up kind of if
2: moments, if I, yeah.
1: If I'm perfectly honest, before. I suffered suffer from it. I didn't have no clue about depression or what it was about. And then, I'm not saying I was like, oh, not another one, but I would think, oh, you know, you know what is this sort of thing? And mm-hmm. Yeah, it is another person, but until it's like, it happens to you, you don't realise. No, I
2: just think it's Steele, he taught you, didn't he? Well, Steel taught you this a is story. what I was going to go on to. <laughs> yeah. um,
1: Phil, obviously, when I, we went to Newcastle away, I, I bought Phil's book mm. and then I read about all the depression that I was suffering and I was going through it myself. So then, we, I was like, oh, do you know what I said I got a book I'm in the middle of writing a book and I've obviously said about when we've tra- we've like chatting for about two, three hours about <laughs> <laughs> this depression and what we're taking and what you know we've been seeing and the symptoms and what and it was just like oh
2: god I'm glad someone else is well what was interesting with Phil was that he, he suffered for it but then when he went to do his broadcasting or more particularly his stand up comedy you know what a fantastic comedian yeah. is it was almost that it was a release from it yeah. and suppose once you start playing yeah. you haven't got that release from any issues yeah. and more time to think I guess yeah. at the end yeah. of
1: the day. So it was it was good, uh, you know, the, the whole of the Newcastle tri- away trip. We just yeah. talked about <laughs> depression and you know yeah. our battles. But obviously, yeah, Phil, it was it was great to read that, and obviously, you know, to speak to someone, I suppose, who was, who was going through the same thing. Was, it was he like
2: as a teacher, Steely? <laughs> oh, he's quick, well,
1: he, I remember having the, the board rubber thrown at me. A few times, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, he was a main one really got me into sport, I suppose, in yeah. rugby. So uh, yeah. If if it,
3: if it just encourages one more person yeah. to, to come forward, and, and that's why I think well, there's so much good being done by people like Leeds, you. Know, yeah, it was um, easy to, let, to leave it her out and think,
1: mm. oh, you know, should I mention it? Because I'm, I suppose, not embarrassed, but would have been embarrassed before uh-huh. until mm. there's a lot more people speak about it. Mm. And like you said, uh, tell mm. me earlier on, but uh, mm. yeah, you know, it's uh, it's part of life, and obviously, you know, you've got to deal with it. Mm.
0: Yeah. Uh, one thing I want to touch on uh, at various points. In the book uh, you refer to some off the field antics um, which which is quite some of them are quite colorful and and they are very entertaining some of the stories but um, what some people might be surprised to find is um, just how you know it seems like after every big occasion there was a a really big night out um, and there was also a bit of gambling going on as well and you talk about how that had to stop for you personally just reflect on on those instances for me and um, not necessarily recalling any stories, but you, you, you knew how to have a good time as well as play good rugby.
1: Yeah, I think uh, probably times have changed a little bit. It wasn't that long ago I retired, but uh, mm. I suppose during the 2008 period onwards, um, yeah, we did like to enjoy ourselves. <laughs> and, uh, well, there was a few, uh, obviously, in the few bits and bobs in the paper, wasn't it? A few yeah. players and. Uh, yeah, I haven't mentioned everything in the book, maybe. <laughs> I've kept a bit out, but uh, yeah, there are a few stories in there which are yeah. quite funny, and you know, well, funny, funny now, but not at the time, yeah, um, yeah. yeah we are human, and we do like a drink, mm. um, sometimes you've got to be a bit clever, and obviously with the camera phones etc. coming in, yeah, these days it's probably, yeah. uh, you guys probably loved it, <laughs> but we, <Yeah. laughs> we, we didn't uh, like it as much in, uh, around that period, and uh yeah, we had some good characters, and uh, I, you know, looking back now, I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad for really you know, I played in that era. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, in terms of you know the game's gone, you know, more professional, which is rightly so. People got to be careful in the public eye, etc. And uh, mm. you know, I, I, you know, I understand that. But um, yeah, we, you know, I had a good time with some some mm. good people, and uh, yeah, there's some good stories in there. Yeah. yeah, like I said, not too many because I've had loads of boys <laughs> ringing me up. What have you put in the book? Yeah. <laughs> I can't confirm. It's not. It's all good. Boys. Yeah. Um, one
0: of the one of the stories is, that we all know um, is the Andy Powell incident. What I didn't know is that if you were perhaps a little bit stronger or maybe a little bit more sober, you would have ended up on the M four with it. <laughs> yeah, might have done. Yeah. Just from, just recall what happened. Uh, happened oh, I, there for me. Well,
1: I can't really remember really yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were just all so I just remember outside the Vale, it was right after that Scotland uh yeah. a great escape and we come back and and had that you know, that come back and yeah, I just remember that in the change rooms gap and give us the, the green light to, to go out. And uh didn't, yeah, you that, didn't need a second invitation. no, <laughs> no, no. Uh, Coming out of walkabouts and kind of in in a bit of a state and then go back to the Vale. Yeah. And that was probably the last bit I remember. Come <laughs> off the back of the golf buggy just before uh, in the in the hotel. Yeah,
0: and um, then the next morning, yeah. sports news and these <laughs> Yeah, and the, Andy
1: saying that uh, I was uh, drunk other the, weekend. That you were drunk. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. Um, I want to just briefly talk about your wife, Andrea, as well, because towards the the, the the end of the book, she comes into quite a lot. Um, and I get the impression that she's been a bit of a rock for you. She she put her foot down when it came to certain things and, and like you said she helped you when it came to your depression and dyslexia so just talk a little bit about your relationship with her
1: yeah you know she's uh, obviously a very bright girl and yeah, you know it's helped me quite, you know like I said I don't know where I'd probably be without her really yeah. um, in terms of the, uh, the gambling stuff and the depression and be able to talk to somebody mm. um, she understood that um, yeah uh, probably d- didn't thank her as much as I probably could in the book but uh yeah. Yeah, on the record, she, you know, she have been uh, probably, uh, you know, she has she has been my rock really. I and mean, yeah. even when I went to France to play, you know, she was she was back here working with her job, and mm. you know, she, she stuck by me through things that you know might not have other people might not have. So uh, yeah, she, she a great deal really.
0: Yeah, it does come through in the book. Um, another subject that I want to touch on is is the, the sad passing of your good friend Jerry Collins. Um, very obviously a very difficult time for you. you. You became really close friends when he was at the Ospreys. Um, and you were a Paul there at his funeral. Yeah. Just talk about what, what that was like when you went down there for that that very sad time.
1: Um, again, you know, i when I just remember waking up and after they left him uh, in Narbonne, about um, a week or two after he died, he mm. went to get his aileron and then come back to mm. Narbonne, and then I went and I think he, you know he he had the crash a the week later. So. Yeah. And then waking up then, uh, Andrew, you know, she naturally wakes up, looks at the news, checks with her. To, I was sleeping and she was like, oh no, oh no, I just remember that. Yeah. I was like, what? And, you know, yeah. Looks at the news then, you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, first, first thought was ring the boys, Christmas always mate and, you know, find out what's happened. Um, and then, the second thought then was, you know, when, when there's a funeral and got to get out there. Yeah. Um, it was no other real option really. I, I wouldn't have missed that yeah. um, f- for anything really. Yeah. Even though you know if it was whatever it was. Yeah. And then when I got, obviously got to the house and it was just a blur really from mm. there on in and just remember his sister asking me to, to, to be the poor there and it probably the biggest honour, you know, anybody yeah. can ask really.
0: No, there's some there's some wonderful stories in the book and I would encourage everybody to give that chapter um some special uh, sort of concentration. Um just before we finish, Lee, I want to come on to more modern times and your opinion of, of the squad now, where we stand going into the old. I know mean, we're all going to be writing a lot over the next few weeks and months. Um, you mentioned that at times during your career, Wales perhaps didn't quite have a plan being nailed down, especially when it came to like the 2008, you know, the Warren ball mm. kind of era. Do you feel like that, that's changed? We've seen them struggle trying to develop new game plans in the last few years, but do you think that they are on the way to becoming a more well-rounded side?
1: Um, it's, well, slowly yeah, it's, yeah. Um, you can see little bits development for the game now um, but it's just obviously how, how quick we can get up to speed and the autumn you know it's big big ask I guess uh, a yeah. big three that are going you know South Africa are going well Yeah, Australia you know is starting to to come up a little bit now and obviously you've got New Zealand so uh, never be, easy. yeah it's never gonna be easy and so yeah. we'll, we'll soon see but yeah they've had to adapt the game obviously yeah. um, evolve a game like everybody else has and uh, yeah. it's gonna take time um, but uh, hopefully in that World Cup, you know, he'll be there. Yeah. Do you do you feel like
0: Warren coming back into the setup for this sort of next what is it, eighteen months, two years, uh, having been away with the Lions? Will we see a noticeable difference in the autumn, or do you think it may not happen that quickly?
1: Um, well, Wales are always you know normally slow starters in this autumn campaign, but uh, I don't think they can afford to be really when no. it comes. to comes to the you know, with the Autumn Internationals. Mm -hmm. Um again Australia you know has been a bogey team for Wales over the last couple of years. So yeah, they'd be hoping for a you know, I I mean you're looking at obviously Georgia, um looking for a win there yeah. and uh, another, I suppose they'd be happy for
2: another win mm. where do you stand on the old fullback debate everyone's <laughs> had this say about this because obviously Liam and Lee Halfpenny are you know, both you know fine players there yeah. it co- kind of caught us all by surprise in the Lions with Liam yeah. having not been chosen in fullback by Wills Warren picks in fullback I mean it might be affected by George North's injury situation yeah. but if it does come down to a choice who would you prefer to see at fullback i probably Liam Williams so yeah. I mean, for me it would be
1: my old now 15 yeah. um you know, he's, he's, you know, he's a natural full-back um, you know you've, you've got to have Lee in this obviously with his goal kicking yeah. etc um, I know obviously Lee's trying to change his the game they've told him to be more attacking etc but uh, yeah, I played really on the wing as well and you know, he's a, he's a great winger as well So, yeah. but for me Liam uh, for me is uh, he was my first choice. Fifteen and Lee scores
2: a play for the Scarlet so <laughs> yeah. we're in a good position to have the we choice. Are, though, yeah. aren't we
1: are, not You know, I think Liam was on the wing yesterday, wasn't he? Yeah, was for right? the so, yeah. you know, it's, it's a good, <laughs> good position to be in that he can play anywhere
0: really. Yeah, yeah. Dale, what's your feelings heading into the autumn with Wales at the moment?
3: Um, just praying, pray, pray, <laughs> praying that something different happens because. We haven't won the first match in the autumn since 2002, and that was against Romania. And and, and, and Lee touched on it there about slow starters. And just tired of the yeah. same old <laughs> themes, you know. And, oh, we're slow starters. Oh, we're not up to... it. Oh, their teams are coming up. You're battle-hardened after the, the Super... You're just tired of hearing the same old thing. I would yeah. just like to see something different. I would dearly love us to go out in the first game... Against Australia and and just damn well win for a change, and and you know, because um, I think the I, I sense a bit of an apathy around the, the Welsh public at the moment. I'd be interested to know what the ticket sales are like for for the, the the games other than the All Blacks game, which we know will sell out. Um, you've got a there's a bit of a feeling a staleness around the coaches. I think um, I was interested in listening to to Lee talk about the impact Warren made when he came in in two thousand eight. Well. I bet nobody thought he'd still be in charge now, um, and, but he is, and, yeah. and you know, and, and he's a great coach. But I think Wales—they've um, been trying to change the way they play, and we have to see some real evidence that that's happening in, in, in the autumn and in the Six Nations. Because I think um, we've stuttered for too long now.
0: Yeah. You know? Right, then Just before we finish, mate, um, can I get from you what you would consider to be your fondest memory on a rugby field? I suppose the, the Lions or the spotted uh, or the uh, the Grand Slam would be up there, I, I guess.
1: Yeah, I think um, the Grand Slam. um Yeah, you know, walking around that field. Um, when I look back at the photos and you know, old video, old uh, DVDs of it now, and yeah. seeing us walking around and joys on faces, really, and you know that first year of Warren come in. Yeah and for me personally is a playing point of view. Um you know, so many people would say, you know, stuff about me, some good stuff and playing the top of your game is uh, yeah, probably would have been that year. Two thousand eight would have be been my uh, favourite
2: yeah. year. Nearly ten years ago. Where's it all <laughs> that's gone? That's it. Where's it all gone? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: all right, Dad, I think we wrapped up there. Lee, it's been an absolute pleasure that's um right. to come on the podcast with you. Um, Dale, Sy you've been alright as well. Thank <laughs> <you>. <laughs> um don't forget Lee's book's coming out on uh Monday, October the 23rd The Burn Identity um, In all good bookshops Um, Hopefully we're going to have Lee on our live debate During the Automate the Nationals as well But there's just a few things to be sorted out there um, Before that happens Um, All that's left to say now is Stay tuned to Wales Online for all your latest rugby news And thanks for listening
3: Ook bewust bezig zijn met je mobiel? Dat kan al voor 20.50 per maand Met de Huawei P20 Lite Nu met 300 minuten of sms'jes En 1000
2: MB 4G internet Kijk op ben.nl Let op. Geld lenen kost geld.